This episode of The Patch is sponsored by Nature Box. Order great tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like everything bagel sticks. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first order. Go to naturebox.com slash the patch. Stop schlepping to the drugstore and paying $20 for shave tech you don't need. For a couple bucks a month, dollarshaveclub.com delivers amazing quality razors right to your door. Shave time, shave money with Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash rooster. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash rooster. <laughs> I, I have no idea what that means. We I suggested it was a great idea, but we weren't ready. Do it. I suggested yeah. during the title Damn. sequence that we should do an action opening, and nobody knew what that you, meant. You suggested we it in the enough. last two seconds. Before, <laughs> let's do an action opening. Everyone was, Ryan and I were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what does that even mean? I left my kung fu pajamas in my other pants. Sorry. I just want to point out that one of our sponsors has new packaging, and I'm going to be showing off that packaging constantly during the show. It has nothing to do with the fact <laughs> that I'm just eating this entire bag of snacks. Be careful. I'm glad you're almost done with that, because that's a really crunchy snack. So okay. keep, keep that away from the bike. <laughs> um, so yeah, welcome to The Patch this week, uh, featuring Gus, Bernie, hello, Ryan, and Gus. Um, so we're talking, it's GDC week, so lots of, uh, lots of news coming out of that. Lots of controversial stuff to talk about as well, with not the least of which... Is the valuation for King, the makers <laughs> of Candy Crush Saga? Uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to jump right to that because yeah, we already talked right about it. it right before yeah. we uh, we went live. Um, so they filed for an IPO, and they're, they're request- trying to take the company public. They're requesting a valuation of seven point six billion dollars. Seven point six billion dollars. That's uh, with a B. With a B. Yeah. So not, a, not a joke. Want to point out? Let's put this in perspective for other things. Marvel sold for about $4 billion. By, they were purchased by Disney. Uh, Lucasfilm, another entertainment company, sold to Disney as well. About $4 billion. I think one was yeah. 4.1 and one was 4.2. I can't remember which one was which. But Candy Crush Saga Makers King, is they, they're saying they're worth $7.6 billion on the public stock market. Well, yeah. I mean, Star Wars Saga or Candy Crush Saga? I can't use the name really... Saga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Star Wars has lost all the rights to that. All right. So valuation is a thing that's not really that easy to define. I mean, it's like it's they have to figure out like what's the company worth, what's the potential of the company, and potential can be a thing, you know, as they look out and they ramp up and they add new games in. Um, you know, where could they possibly go from here? But I just want to point out based on today that this is from King. And uh, what I'm quoting here is in the fourth quarter of 2013, our top three games, Candy Crush Saga, I'm familiar with that one, Pet Rescue Saga, and Farm Hero Saga accounted for 95% of our total gross bookings, meaning their revenue, essentially, 95% came from those three games. Candy Crush counted for 78% of our total gross bookings. So if 78% of your revenue comes from one game, basically what they're saying is that this company is... Basically, it's one game. Yeah. Right. Like, is, can you imagine another game that's worth $7.6 billion to buy that property? No, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And then, like, looking at this article here, apparently their portfolio features 180 games for mobile devices, Facebook, and through its own site. That's they have the 180 yeah. games, <laughs> of which three of them are 95% of their profit, and one of them is, what, 78? 78%, 78% of 7.6. So just to put it in perspective, if we just did that, they're saying that not just the valuation of uh, Candy Crush Saga itself, but like what it could lead to. Like they can launch other games off of it and things like that. Candy Crush Saga 2. Yeah, or it's worth about $6 billion. That just Candy Crush Saga itself 
it is worth six billion dollars actually four point nine to eight billion well, man, i don't know maybe there's a really bright future for farm heroes whatever captain corn or something i don't know maybe so i said four i meant five five point nine to okay. eight billion so was, what's was, a billion dollars between I was about friends? to ask how you write yeah. it from 4.9 to 6. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's about $6 billion. It's 5.9. I keep saying 4 instead of 5. I'm like a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> $5.9 billion. Yeah. So I can't imagine uh, one property saying that one property is worth $5.9 billion. But Facebook did just buy WhatsApp for about, what, $18 billion? Uh, either 16 or 19, depending on who you ask. Well, how can that be depending on who I ask? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I've, I've, seen, I've seen it reported both ways. It's like between 16 and $19 billion. Like, well, which is it? That's a fucking $3 billion. Because Facebook is a public company. They have to disclose that. But is it, is it just based on like they got X amount of shares and that's the way they structured the deal? It wasn't based on actual dollar I, value? I, I think it's a combination of dollar value and shares. Okay. So I think that's why there's a, there's a range of value. It's still an enormous amount of money, whether it's 16 or $19 billion. Yeah. It's a ridiculous amount of money. I didn't understand. Really? I mean, it's kind of getting off the rails here. I mean, it's like the year 2000 all over again. Well, yeah. I guess it's, it's like 1998 all over again. Everyone's fucking making a mint going on with IPOs. It's like May of 2000. Yeah. Not June, but May. <laughs> it was a very critical 30 days that took place in there. Yeah, it was uh, that the dot com era, I guess, is what you're talking about when things kind of fell off fast. Yeah. I remember in particular, there was a uh, DSL company that I was invested in, and they would go from between four and eight, and they would go back and forth like over the course of like a month. And one day they were at eight, and the next day they were at four instantly. And I was like, that was weird. And the next day they were at two. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, things can uh, things can move pretty quickly. But somebody had a list of like all the different companies. Like, we compared just now King to Marvel and to Lucasfilm because those are big. They have huge entertainment properties yeah. that I think people can identify with mm-hmm. and know the value of those things. Entertainment like, properties that have spanned decades. They're not just a flash in the pan that have been around for right. a year or two. That are solid, proven entities for right. launching other uh, properties based on it. Like yes. there's a Star – did you see Star Wars Rebels? Did you see any of the previews based on that? No. Yeah, somebody was – somebody. I was reading an article by someone saying there's a Mandalorian character in it who doesn't wear armor, just a helmet, and she's a graffiti artist. It seemed like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, you know, the point is they so – Disney. <laughs> yeah, those are huge franchises, and I guess they're saying that based on the popularity of Candy Crush, they're going to be able to launch a lot of things. That's really – I but mean there's more than, nothing there. Yeah. But more than Lucas? Yeah, more than Star Wars? Yeah, I mean that's that, that makes no sense at all. Candy Crush in and of itself is not like a narrative thing. I mean there's no – It's a saga. Yeah, well, okay, it's a saga. Sure, fine. Uh, the heroic deeds of the Candy Crushers is well spoken of. But where do you – I mean, you, okay, you make a sequel, but I mean they make sequels to video games all the time. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden the sequel is going to be worth the same well, as the original. Well, they ripped off Bejeweled. I mean they just have that's to find true. another good game to rip <laughs> off and make a make a clone of. I hear this Tetris is popular. Maybe we should make the next Candy Fitter Saga. Saga. Also, they they do they have a stick up their ass about the word Saga? Every one of those games you mentioned had Saga in it. Well, that's why they tried to trademark it. Like they're saying that now people when they that was one of the 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 flack that they caught was in addition to the word candy, they tried to trademark the word Saga for uh, video game properties because they're saying that like people are going to make knockoffs and call them saga games, but that's what we do. We make saga games. This, it, I, I can't say that word anymore. It sounds weird. Saga. Saga. <laughs> saga. Like it's gotten in my head. Why, why is Candy Crush a saga? Why is Pet Rescue a saga? I feel like they're misusing the word. They should have named the company Saga Games. But that right. sounds like Sega. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does sound Another like Sega with an accent. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a legacy there that we're not aware of. Have you played a lot of Candy Crush? I've Maybe played, there's a really engaging story. And you I've just played missed zero it. Candy Crush. Maybe there's a campaign mode and you just haven't gotten into that layer of it yet. I haven't paid the, the buck 99 or whatever for it. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, it's stupid. We all know it's stupid. Uh, do you? I mean, I guess the better question is: so this is the valuation they're seeking. Do you think that they will achieve that goal? Will they hit their target market for the IPO, and will people buy it? Stock market's an interesting place, possibly. Um, you know, and if if people want to get in on something, and mobile apps are extraordinarily hot, it's they're at the still at the front end curve. I know people who watch this podcast. <laughs> Mobile gaming is like a you know uh, you know it's like something they're used to, but for as far as like a broad property you know an industry, I mean it's still relatively new and they're one of the leaders in it, so they could potentially do it. I think investors could look at it and they could say, yeah, this is somewhere where there's a ton of growth and this is the company at the forefront. I mean, if the past decade has taught us anything, it's that people will throw money at bad ideas whenever they feel like it. Think so? Just, just go ahead and chuck it at anything that smacks of maybe it'll be money. So apparently, um, their IPO is set to be priced on March 25th. And we'll begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol King on March 26th. <laughs> That's uh, next Wednesday. How is there not a King already? No one claimed that. My favorite, my favorite stock symbol is AT and T. It's just T. It's like fuck you. <laughs> well, it kind of goes back to like old uh, domain names. Like you can always tell how old a company is based on how small its domain name is. Or, or did a modern equivalent now is like you look at somebody who's got the, a short Twitter name like N. That yeah. guy who was just in the yeah. news recently. It's the other, the other companies who had those one-letter stock symbol symbols, they're probably just gone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I always said the stock market always looks like a great investment because they show all the companies and the stock market goes up. But if they showed every company that was ever on the stock market, like if you looked at the listing and 50 to 75% of the companies are at zero now because they're gone or gone. out of business, that would look like a pretty bad gamble. You know, Not <laughs> yeah. only do I have to pick one that's going to live, but I have to pick one that's going to live and do well. And go up, yep. That's a little tough. Uh, all right, enough of that. Nonsense. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, Titanfall, Xbox 360, delayed again. Yep. They, uh, they were supposed to launch next week, right? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, I think on the 25th was their original launch it, date. Well, and the mystifying thing to me about this is their quote, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something to, to the effect of, you know, we just want to give them some more time to really kind of improve the game, <laughs> and really knock, you know, lock it down. Uh, really? At this close to launch, you're nope. still pegging things down? Or? Sure, they can try to make stuff better, make the graphics better. Another day one patch? Yeah, here's, here's, the, here's the quote. The quote is, we see a few things that can be made even better, so we're giving Bluepoint a little more time to do just that and deliver an epic Titanfall experience for Xbox 360 players. Yeah. Isn't that the same thing but basically they said when they bumped it the first time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Here's what happened between then and now. Titanfall released, and Xbox One sales jumped 96%. <laughs> they went up 90, in, almost doubled. In the in, UK. In the week that Titanfall came out. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think that number was for the UK. But yeah, uh, so yeah, you think that they're, they're just holding on to it, trying to sell a few more units? No, I think they're absolutely right. They're trying to increase the graphics quality of Titanfall. You know what the best way to increase the graphics quality of Titanfall is? Buy it on the Xbox One. Yeah, <laughs> <that's> exactly. <laughs> I would, dude, I would honestly... I, if I was there, I would be trying to figure out a way to mothball the 360 release. And look, I love the 360. I do. But, I mean, it's the Xbox One needs a, a title that sells units, and they've got it. I mean, it's like – and then they got this release date for the 360 coming. I would just be like – I mean, I – you you would have to be tempted. You would yeah, have to I'm be tempted. I'm sure, you know, Respawn's not a first-party developer. I'm sure they got a very healthy check to keep it exclusive and uh, a part of that probably involved porting it to the 360 as well. I'm sure Respawn needs that those sales. I mean, that's a huge install base, mm-hmm. way bigger than the Xbox One. So I'm sure that's uh, that they're eager to tap into that market. In fact, I even saw another article that uh, Respawn is supposedly talking with Aspire about porting Titanfall to the Mac. So literally, this will be 
an exclusive title that's available <laughs> on every platform except for one. <laughs> it's like it's really weird the uh, what exclusivity means for uh, for this title. So console we, exclusive, console exclusive. It's an important not, distinction. Not even it's Xbox One and Xbox 360. Yeah, well, it's Microsoft exclusive. Yeah. And then yeah, and, and, and on Apple and computers Mac. too. And on Mac, yeah. And, Mac. and iOS. <laughs> Wait till Titanfall Saga <laughs> releases later. So it it is it we've dealt with this before exclusivity in the digital age now is that whenever we would produce there was a project we did for MTV that I remember in particular where they said they wanted it to be exclusive to MTV.com for a week. And we learned this was back in like 2006, right, guys? 2007? Did yeah, we did that? No, it was earlier than that. It might have been this earlier than like that. This was like 05, I want to say, or maybe 04. Even. Yeah. And uh, we learned very, very early on that when they're not going to enforce other people when they repost a video, is what we made for them. Uh, they're not going to enforce them taking it down if they repost it. So basically what exclusive means is exclusionary, that we were the only people in the world that couldn't show the video that we made you know, because we gave it to MTV. Of course, everybody reposts it everywhere, and it's like we can't repost it uh-huh. because we have an exclusive contract and only MTV will show it. So it's like that's what they're dealing with here. It's like it's really the word exclusive means it's just exclusive. It means don't you give guys, it to Sony. You guys don't get it. Whatever you do, don't give it to Sony. Yeah. It's, it's not available on a lot of consoles like – PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, <laughs> Wii? Dreamcast. There's no Wii version? Y- yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. No one's, I, I hadn't even thought about that. I don't think anyone's complaining that it's not available for the Wii. <laughs> I guess that like, you're right. It's also not available <laughs> well, on what the was the, consoles. Uh, the surprising title to me that was not going to be made available for Wii was uh, Minecraft. That seems like a natural fit to me. It does. Especially with the uh, – you go crazy tapping blocks. If I heard people in my house like tap, 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 tap to get yeah. rid of blocks and stuff. But yeah, it seems – does that seem weird to you? I wonder if the, the the development platform just really isn't conducive to them coming in. Cause the, have they said they're not going to develop for it? Yeah. Really? Uh, I look up the statement. I don't want to misquote, but I have heard that it's like not on the roadmap for Minecraft. There was like, Did you read the statement about their revenue? Yeah, I, I did not put it in my notes here. I was about to try to find it to pull it back up. Okay, I'll look at that and you look at Wii U. All right. You want to vamp for us? Sure. <laughs> talk so about, little, talk uh, about Minecraft. Do you, do, you consider, like, do you consider Minecraft to be like an E for everyone game? I know you play it like yeah, a, I would a psychotic so. lunatic. Yeah, you no, play our it, version but. of it is very, definitely not. But, uh, I, I, you know, I've kind of wondered about that because Minecraft itself has never been something that felt at a code level very polished. Like it doesn't run great on any platform. It runs okay. Like they... It always has felt to me like one of those indie games that got just far enough to be pretty functional, mm-hmm. but like never, uh, you know, trying to run it on a PC, it could look way better and perform way better, but it seems like it's never been optimized properly for any system. Mm-hmm. How much have you played it on PC or Mac? How much? A fair amount on PC. Okay. And it's still, it's choppy considering the kind of hardware behind it. Like it should be executing flawlessly with even higher settings than it runs on, and it it's a little sluggish. It seems like the procedural driven nature of the entire mm-hmm. world, though, just seems like um, that would be a little sluggish. Mm-hmm. But I, I've also been a little disappointed at times of after it generates the world and I'm in areas that's already been generated, how then it's like still like missing blocks yeah. and like I have to wait for things to fill in as well. So apparently uh, Notch tweeted about Minecraft on the Wii U uh, in late December 2013. Yeah. He said that... Uh, uh, he was not aware of any plans for a Wii U version, and he said Minecraft on the Wii U would make sense, but the only reason for no current plans is that Mojang has too much work already. Okay. But, I mean, they could always outsource it, right? I mean, because 4J handles their console ports already as it is, so it seems like you would just find another studio or just 
have Forge higher up and get a team on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and to hear when Ryan what you were saying about it that it could be better. Normally, I'd say, well, you know, these things are tough or whatever, but I've seen it run on mobile devices, and it runs really well. If something can run halfway decent on a mobile device, it seems like it should be able to run on my PC that I have at home that runs Steam games. I mean, I realize that it is a lot to keep track of when you're talking about a a world that's basically a bunch of blocks, but Mm -hmm. again, it's a bunch of blocks. I mean, that's all dirt blocks, all you know, stone blocks. It's a type and a block. That's got to be the most compressible thing you could possibly have in terms of an environment. And the, the the like low fi the low fidelity version yeah. of the the visual aesthetic of it is I've gotten mods that really amp it up and it doesn't seem to really create that big of a lag just based on the fact that the textures are entirely different. Yeah. Now if you get into some of these like what are some of the higher texture packs for that like one twenty eight by one twenty eight I think or some of them one twenty eight by one twenty eight is the default and is then, it okay. yeah. Uh, I think all the textures are on in a single one twenty eight by one twenty eight space. No, oh, wow. uh, and then yeah, no, I mean you could go all the way up to i think i've seen 4k versions of that but wow well i mean when you're saying 4k again it's all off one texture map okay so that's every texture in the game on a Uh, single 4k 4K. map okay uh so i mean i can see maybe it would be a very difficult platform to jump to maybe nintendo's platform isn't as conducive to development uh for i guess it's basically a java app at its root so Maybe that works better in the other two platforms than it ever would on Nintendo's. Hmm. Nintendo doesn't have the processing capability in their console that the others do. So being very processor heavy, it just may not be a good fit. Yeah, but they already have touch versions of it too. It seems like they're leaving a lot on the table, you know, because they have the touch versions for tablet devices and iOS. So it just seems like... But how dumbed down are those versions? Uh, they're fairly dumbed down. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, I mean, I've played a little bit. I, I've never been a big fan of touch controls. I just have never really liked that. And I think they do it pretty well with Pocket Minecraft or Minecraft Pocket Edition. Yeah, I've never even touched Pocket Edition. Really? Yeah, just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's an extension of experience, but it's like, it's fine already as it is. I, I can play it on my laptop. I carry my laptop with me everywhere. You know what's crazy? I have Minecraft in every single format. I have never played it on the 360. Hmm. Really? I, I think I played it like just long enough to see that the recipes were like baked in, uh-huh. no pun intended. Uh, and then I was just like, for whatever reason, that just didn't sit well with me as a PC gamer. And I was like, oh. And then I just never went back to it. I don't think I have a single achievement. Filthy casuals. <laughs> I, yeah, that's weird. Because I played a ton of Minecraft. I have no achievements in it. But uh, yeah, so it just seems like – it seems more to me that from a market perspective and the audience that Nintendo has, it just seems like it would be a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you, you said you know just using the Wii U controller and just like you said, tapping on that. Perfect. Why not? You were looking up their revenue numbers. Did you get their revenue no, numbers? No, you told me to look up the no. Wii U status. This was reported, <laughs> Gus. Uh, you told me to look up the Wii U status. You were going to look up the revenue. I was looking and up I the Wii U And I commented on the Wii U status. <laughs> I had look. I have the joystick article up right here about. Oh the, really? Uh, I read the joystick article. Is out that loud. what you're doing? Oh. Yeah. Top link. Okay, Minecraft gross. I don't have a laptop. I'm, sorry, buddy. It's you okay. I beat you up for the iPad again. He did. He stole it. <laughs> so I have the 2012 here, but I can't pull up the 2013 for whatever reason. Well, there was an article earlier today that I stupidly did not include on my list of stuff here to talk about. I want to say they made something along the lines of $125 million in just licensing alone. Yes. And it was about $350 million in revenue that Mojang made from, you know, I mean, altogether, but I think from Minecraft specifically. Um, you know, I think they're along the same lines as uh, uh, King at this point where it's all, you know, understood that most of the revenue comes from one title in particular. Yeah. Minecraft is a juggernaut, man. It's just a juggernaut. It's amazing how much time we've been talking about that game on the patch after, you know, it's been out for four years. Mm-hmm. And still coming out on other platforms as well. 
Uh, shit, I'm trying to find it. I can't fucking find it. And why is that article so hard, so hard to find? So yeah. elusive. Everyone wants to know how much they're making, right? <laughs> like every, like you said, everything I see is for like 2012. Yeah. Why, I, I'm working from memory, but I'm pretty sure that's right. It, it sounds about right. Uh, here it is. Oh, I think I have it. On time of all places. Um, they reported $330 million in revenue. Um, blah, 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 the company pulled in. Wait. Okay, let me read. The Swedish video game company reported that its revenue increased to $330 million in 2013, a 38% increase from the previous year. The company pulled in $129 million in profit. Pretty cl- pretty close. What does it say from the licensing? Does it say that there? This article doesn't break it down. The other one, we must have read the uh, same other article. The other yeah. article we read broke it down. It also broke down like a uh, percentage of uh, their sales on consoles and uh, PC. And I want to say they were both like at around 30%. You know, it makes me wonder too, when you say that they pulled in about $330 million in revenue, and they pulled down about $120 million in profits, $127 million. Where is $200 million of expenditure going at Mojang right now? Yeah. I mean, the staff, I think, is like 40 people. But yeah, it's I, like, what are, the, what are the expenses for Mojang at this point? Servers? I mean, for... I don't, they don't run any... Well, I guess they do have some of their own servers, but not many, right? Yeah. It, it, uh, as the game has progressed, now when I start the game on PC, it unpacks itself every single time, mm-hmm. goes out and looks for a new version of itself, then logs me in as well. Um, so that's hitting their servers every single time. There's a lot of people playing Minecraft. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's not a huge download, though. $200 million is a lot of money spent in one year. That is. It I mean, could also be uh, taxes in Sweden or something like that. That's a lot of log Oper- cabins. Operating costs. And, uh... Yeah, it all depends. Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways you can calculate uh, profit. You mm-hmm. know, um, EBITDA numbers are, you know, before taxes, but it depends on how they're reporting. I'd be curious. I'll, I'll look it up, so I'll be more informed next next week. When we're we probably talk just about blowing it. it all at IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. It's all private jets and sports cars. <laughs> Going to Monaco, yeah. apparently. Yeah, I'm gonna read this thing. Uh, I want to remind everyone: this episode of the patch is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Buying razor sucks. You got to trudge to the store, get the key to the plastic razor fortress thing, shell out twenty bucks for some ridiculous shave tech you don't even need. Uh, razors work fine without vibrating handles or laser pointers. Fortunately, there's a company doing away with all that ridiculousness. It's called Dollar Shave Club, and it couldn't be simpler. There it is. Just go to the website. For a few bucks a month, Dollar Shave Club ships amazing razors and other bathroom stuff right to your door. The blades are just as good as the big shave companies at a fraction of the price. Uh, they've also got Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter to make your shave even more buttery smooth. Uh, and you got to try One Wipe Charlie's, their new peppermint-infused butt wipes for men, which tingle in a good way. Uh, shave time, shave money. Join now at dollarshaveclub.com slash rooster. Are you going to shave me? There's the shave butter, and there's the razors. I, 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 you scare me. I don't know when you have a razor in your hand, yep. Bernie. He's, he's razoring I'm up. I'm good. You good? I got it. <laughs> I fucked up. That button releases it. I, <laughs> I, I push the button that lets the razor go. Yeah, just, stick it in there. <laughs> just jam it in there. Um, okay, so another thing I want to talk about is yeah. Project Spark is now an open beta. Open beta. For anyone with an Xbox One. Love that game. I have. I still have not had a chance to play it at all. Is it literally just like? A, a sandbox like you just have an open nothing and you just start building stuff uh yeah so i was playing a lot with my kid and he took a game development course um for the last few summers he's done that and uh he was working in gosh now i can't remember the name of the thing that he was working in. it's called alice uh, game mm. development engine basically it's, it's it's for learning it's an educational game development environment and uh i think project spark is way better than it i really do mm. um like he would make flash games and things like that um it's an it's <laughs> A designed open world, so it's like you know the thing about open and unlimited potential and all that. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of variables. Like you can go into where you can like uh, you know program characteristics for things. You can go in and like do behaviors and repeat them and exception cases, all that. It's it gets pretty dense. I mean, it's um, 
you know, you still have to go through and make this fantasy looking world and do that. Like I've seen games that people have built where somebody uh, rebuilt uh, Halo, essentially one of the levels of Halo, and, and they had to repurpose the goblins as grunts, and they did that by like coloring them in a certain way and like putting something in, um, yeah, taking two different like uh, shapes and then meshing them together. And so people get really creative, and if you give people the ability to be creative and you know do things, it's and the ability honestly to break things and. Really cool things happen. Is this going to be a retail product that they sell? That's a great question. It seems like they're just giving it away. It seems like they're just going to roll it out, and then they're going to one day announce, oh, by the way, it's just free. You can just have it. Uh, it's like, why would they give open beta to everyone? Like, they've been slowly rolling this beta out, wrapping it up with, like, no real restrictions. You just have to sign up for it. I, you know, I almost wonder if they're going to turn it into some kind of marketplace where you can create and sell your own things on there. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, it's it, the open development concept that xbox one kind of had lurking in the background uh hasn't really been used for anything yet so maybe this is going to be an outlet for that hmm, that'd be interesting yeah and, and just have it be like their version of hats mm-hmm. in team fortress 2 where it's like oh yeah you just sell whatever you want and we'll take a 30 percent cut of it yep. you know it's like an easy way to uh to skim some money off of there yep. are, we, are we set up to uh do green screen over here? No, the camera got uh, the camera is not here at the moment. Never mind. <laughs> okay, I was gonna have Caden come over and tell us about Project Spark. Oh, does he use it a lot? He he's, he's been playing it. a lot of Project Spark. He was mm-hmm. when the first day when the Xbox beta went up, uh, he was playing it. Mm-hmm. I actually believe it or not, I upgraded to Windows 8 so we could play Project Spark. Hmm. Yeah, we saw a demo of it uh, on a the guys at Microsoft showed us a demo like on a huge, huge like touchscreen monitor, mm-hmm. and it looked a lot of fun. It was really cool to watch yeah, somebody who knew, know, knows what they're doing do it on a touchscreen. It's like, oh, this is pretty badass. <laughs> and my son, who's uh, uh, 12, he's about to turn 12, uh, he is like, he sat down, started to make an island, uh, and then built a little world and like lowered and raised the, top- the topography, added trees and everything like that. And it was like, it looked great. Put a little river, put a bridge in it. It's like, it looked really, really amazing. The things that we've been seeing coming out of people working with trials, people working with uh, even like the Halo, the stuff you builders, guys get in trials, the crazy. stuff we get in trials is just insane. I mean, it's beyond what I would ever have thought was capable in that game. So, if that's an example of what people can do with us, hopefully more limited tool set, then the things that come out of Project Spark should be just astounding. Yeah, it can be kind of problematic that we ran into this with Machinima, is that a lot of companies would put in Machinima tools. Um, into their games to kind of like take part in the whole machinima craze that was going on where people were making movies and video games. This is a few years ago. And even people who specifically designed things for movie making, um, there's certain things that you can, you can get wrong or one or two things you don't do that kind of make it almost impossible to have it really take off. Or even worse, you end up with a lot of things that all just kind of look pretty much the same. Yeah. Like it's still a really powerful tool, but I think we'll, you know the real benefit or the real power of Project Spark will be seen about maybe like three months after release. And how much does all the stuff that's coming out look exactly the same? Yeah. And then probably like a year or two from now, we're going to see stuff that's crazy amazing mm-hmm. that people can't believe came out of Project Spark. And I think more important than anything else, I think it's inspire young people to get into game programming, game design, and I think that'll be cool. So it's a uh... It's a way for them to use it as a marketplace <laughs> and then a way for them to, like, get their claws into developers at a young age and familiar with their platform. It's a gateway development drug. Yeah, well, my, my <laughs> son, J.D., he went from Gary's Mod to Project Spark. So he's doing so. He was just making, like, crazy, nutty scenarios in Gary's Mod and having fun and being goofy and having a blast doing that. And then he had ideas for games that he wanted to do. Then he went to Project Spark to try to do it, and it's like... Oh, this is really, really, really hard. It's like making it's really hard and testing it's really hard. It's yeah. like, yeah, so we had to go back and forth. Here's some Project Spark on the screen right here. Some stuff that people have already done. 
See, already all those look very different. Yeah, it's a lot of really. Oh, Flappy Bird, cool. <laughs> I, I see. I played the Flappy Bird, uh, the one that was most popular. I downloaded and played it, and I played a lot of Flappy Bird. And it was like, yeah, this. I get how this is supposed to be Flappy Bird, but the gameplay wasn't yeah, the same. The mechanics were just and, a little off. Just a little off, right? But still early. So well, anytime yeah. you try to emulate something else, you never get it right. It's yeah. like. Uh, when you get like tofurkey and shit like that, it's like I know this is tofu. You're not fucking fooling anyone. I know what turkey tastes like. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with that. It's like I know what Flappy Bird's supposed to be. You're just trying to emulate it. I fucking hate tofurkey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Um, you know, been sitting on that one for a while. I think about it a lot. I don't know why. Like it's really something that's in the back of my head a lot. It's like, why do you have to make food that tries to taste like other food? It just doesn't make sense it's to me. Really deep seated in there. <laughs> it seemed like you had a, a particular grudge, like maybe it rolled over your mother or something at some point. <laughs> Yeah, Tofurky killed my mother. Uh, <laughs> healthy living was bad for her. Um, so I, I read uh, another story that apparently Activision is pooling all of their DLC for Guitar Hero, DJ Hero, and Band Hero. That's easy to figure out. Right. It's like, like I guess that's it. You know, they had already stopped developing DLC for it three years ago. I think 2011 was when they finally pulled a plug on that. Uh-huh. And now it's just like you're not even going to be able to get it. You know, I guess if you have it already and you've downloaded it, you continue to use it. They I, did say that. Right. But yes. it's like if you lose your console or have to replace it, it's like you, you're not going to I wonder if this stuff. is – I mean it, they've probably been paying a lot of money in licensing fees I'm for sure. a long time for that stuff. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just to start cutting that off. I'm, sure, I, I'm positive. Yeah. I, w- I would bet money on that. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they're, that the licensing obligation every year for that game is really high and it's just the DLC. The, gra- the graph went like this. And it's like, oh, now our licensing costs are more than we're paying for. We're getting in downloads, so let's just turn it off. Yeah, and they're not actively developing those series anymore. It's like there is no hope of that graph ever changing course. Uh-huh. It's just going to continue to get worse. That was a genre that fell off fast. It was huge. It fucking exploded it like was crazy. Huge. And then just nobody cared anymore. I mean, it was like, if you think about it, everyone made a big fuss. And I, I was going to ask you about this. Um Remember when the Xbox title Steel Battalion came out and it had a $200 controller? Yeah, awesome. It's considered, even to this day, to be one of the most extravagant things that a gamer could have ever purchased. It was beautiful, too. But I know a ton of people who had $200 rock band sets. That's how much those were as well. Yeah. And that that didn't seem outrageous for that, I guess, because it was four different pieces. Um, You have a Steel Battalion set up. Has anyone yet modified that to work with Titanfall? No, I don't know that you'd be able to do that. You know, it's got that proprietary original Xbox plug. Yeah, right. There's somebody who can do everything. Oh, no, no, yeah. yeah. But then how do you, that's how, doable. But yeah, then like, how, how cut you, that baby off, Maybe right? on the PC, but I don't, you couldn't no, do it on no, the no, Xbox no. One. I mean, all you got to do is basically take apart an Xbox One controller and then reconnect where you, the buttons are. You, you really dumb it down, though, because Titanfall is intended to be played with a controller. Like, this thing has so many different buttons. It's like, you, you can use all of this, but these four buttons are what do everything. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it would not be as immersive as the Steel Battalion experience was. But, yeah, I mean, you could get a very like, basic level you can control. remap some of the stuff too. Like when you would pop, not be fun when you pop the ejection thing. Like yeah. that could send a macro that just mashes X over yeah. and over. X mashing, yeah, right. Wasn't the well, original, now we gotta do this? Wasn't the original Xbox? I'm getting on my chair to go find one. Wasn't the original Xbox controller though? It was just proprietary USB, right? Wasn't yeah, I'll get it, it for yes. you. It, it was like because that oval. A, there, I know but it was one still right USB. Well, there was that little wasn't it? connector on the end, right? Uh-huh. You just pop that off, and there was a USB underneath. Or was it the other way around? No, it looked no, like it, it was a round plug. It almost looked like a PS2 it port. Did. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but I think it was just like they wanted the proprietary cable because they wanted the you know yeah. walled garden for selling their controllers. Pretty much. You got one of those bad boys over there. Right here. I think everybody kind of remembers. Get the dongle off the end of it. We can just show what the dongle. thing looks. Because it had the breakaway controller back mm-hmm. in there. Everything was corded. This is a prototype. It's fused. <laughs> All right, we can't do it. His, what his... was that for anyway? I don't think I ever took the breakaway part off. 
The breakaway was so because it was corded. It was a case like your kid's sister like ran by and oh. hooked it and unplugged it. Okay. I I I ended up doing it all the time because I'd pull my controller. Mm-hmm. And my TV was like that length that was just far enough away to where I'd like my cable was kind of taut, and then I'd boom and pull it out and had so to it was reconnect just the to protect the, the console. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, always assumed that was an adapter for a second plug for something. Nope, it was totally so you wouldn't yank your console out of your entertainment oh, okay. center or whatever off your shelf. That's clever. Back yeah, when, back when we had wired controllers. <laughs> oh, the old days. There was a, there was never a wireless controller for the original Xbox, was there? Oh, they made the S controller, which we now has become the 360 and the Xbox. I don't one. remember. There was, uh, there, there, there was a Mad Cats. Yeah, there was a third party one, uh, but there was no first party. Okay. I think the the first first party wireless controller was the Wavebird for the GameCube. Yes. Um, and then, but that predated that the off. Xbox. No, that came out. The Wavebird came out after the Xbox was already available. Really? Yeah. I guess so. That makes sense, they all yeah. launched around the same time, and then the Wavebird was not available at GameCube launch. It came out like a year or two later. God, the GameCube seems so much earlier in, in my memory now. It seems like it's earlier, but yeah, they were all about the same time. Mm-hmm. Let me see when the Wavebird launched because I knew when the Xbox launched. Hey, well, talking about GDC a while back. PS4 news. Oh hey. yeah, that's on my list of stuff to talk yeah. about. In fact, that's uh, that's the literally the next thing on my I'm on my so list of topics here is uh, nailed it again. Uh, PlayStation announced their uh, their Morpheus VR headset, yep. which is interesting to me because there were some comments. We talked about the Oculus Rift a bit last time because walking around at the the show, there was a lot of different things using it, and there were some comments saying, "Do you think you know this is kind of a fad? Like this is going to blow over?" Honestly, I, to me at this point, I think the Oculus Rift is not gonna or that concept is not gonna go away we're, we've passed the threshold where that's gonna be here it may be supplanted by something better mm-hmm. but it's not gonna just pass in my head it's just a new version of the rock band setup you think it's, so it's, really so yeah, you think it, it's a flash in it's the pan. a total flash in the pan i'm, I'm not a big uh-huh. believer and uh, it's not that i'm bashing sony and their uh-huh. announcement i've been on record talking about oculus before yeah like for me the crazy thing is this is just iteration and technology there's no innovation with it it's just you know the same headset that we've been getting promised for 25 years now but with hd displays well you say that but there has been in fact the new version of the oculus and i you know we don't have a lot of details yet about the uh, project morpheus but uh oculus has has come out with a new version hopefully they'll be able to sell them again because they were completely out of stock now they ran out of materials they did but now includes a camera so that you not only can track this motion with accelerometers but you can tell if you're getting closer and leaning side to side so it's actually advancing it further than it already was. Okay. Um, the other thing that I think may show some kind of permanence to this technology is uh, on the backs of that, Steam has also released a Steam VR mode. Right. Yep. Uh, so it integrates into that kind of technology. So uh, as And I think Oculus's approach to this has been really interesting in that they still haven't offered it as a commercial product. Like they're not selling this device other than dev kits right. for those at home. I'm air quoting. Uh, and that's doing pretty good business, apparently. Uh, I think I was a little amazed when I went to go look up how much uh, Oculus headset the dev kit was going to cost. And I went over and go, this thing only cost 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, I, think, like, I think even the new version is like 350 350 Yeah. Added price of the camera. We went to go buy it, but they, that was right as they ran out of materials to make these yep. things. Yeah. Do you think that was legitimate or they just wanted to like move away? They didn't know how Pro- to do they it. They probably just stopped ordering parts for the original so right. they could move on to the next version. They couldn't source them anymore? Yeah. So bust out your 3D printer. There you, you go. Done it. We could build our own. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see you know a compelling experience. Like I'm not a fan of 3D movies either. I don't want to mm-hmm. wear glasses on my face when I'm watching a movie. It's just I have something about me. I don't like putting shit on my face when I'm consuming entertainment. Now, can I throw this at you? No. Because I was in the camp where uh, I liked the Wii. 
but I hated the fact that Sony and Microsoft kind of chased the whole motion controller mm-hmm. uh, fad that was going on. And that was a fad that fell off when Sony and Microsoft were just starting to put their stuff out. Right. And nobody cared. That being said, once I started using the Kinect for voice commands and other things on my Xbox One, I then started to like it. It took me a while to warm up to it. Did you warm up to motion controls? No. The okay. best thing about the Connect for me is that it has an IR receiver, so my remote works better with it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweet. Okay. That. The, 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 the thing that I do like about the Connect the most is that it'll sign me in when it sees me. That's convenient. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but it's like, oh, cool. Oh. The Xbox. Hi, Xbox. I discovered something interesting about that, too, by the way. So uh, the other day I was upstairs in front of my Xbox One, which I, now that I use that to have my TV going through it, I wonder if that's going to increase the burnout rate on this particular device because it's on so much more than the other right. one used to be. But uh, And my son was there playing with me, and it recognized my son as my wife's profile. Interesting. So I guess they're related. Hmm. Little, I can prove that so far, at least can according to kids, Xbox. Can your kids talk to the Kinect? Uh, understand so them? far, it has not responded to Eli. He talks to it all the time. Anytime I say something, he'll say it right behind me. <laughs> can I tell you something? <laughs> this is a funny point. In te- when technology changes, it takes a while for people to catch up sometimes. Like when people were had cell phones for the first time and they were using them in places. Like We had a buddy, I remember, who we'd be in a restaurant and his phone would ring and he'd keep talking to us while he then picked up his phone and wouldn't answer to like the fifth or sixth ring, like it was a normal phone. It's like answer your damn. We're in public. Answer your damn phone. And I'm. Like and it was that, always at max volume. Yeah, always. It was always turned <laughs> all the way up to the point where we even suspected that maybe he was doing it to draw attention to himself. Like, <laughs> well, it was, it was he, an important man. It was an important call. It seemed very deliberate. It seemed very deliberate. If somebody let their phone ring five or six times now in public, everyone in the place would go, what "The fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah. But I worth that right now. I think in that weird kind of transition period with voice recognition technology where people just around you don't understand it. Like I'll hit Siri and I'll say like, you know, send a message to Gus. And it goes, Dink, what would you like to say to Gus Sarola? And I say, I, and someone next to me goes, ask him if he's going to the movie. It's like, come on. <laughs> I'm like, literally it's like, it, they don't understand that they're interrupting a conversation between you and another thing. Right. Yet. It's like, there's not enough use of it by everybody at that level to where the etiquette hasn't like baked in yet. And I find that interesting because I, like, I get interrupted talking to Siri Almost kind of, every really every other time I use Siri, somebody interrupts me from talking to me. And my kids do it a lot too. It's like whenever I'm talking to the Xbox, I say, Xbox, sign is, and they go, Xbox. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. <laughs> all right, let's try this again. Yeah. The, the thing I've encountered is, uh, like now you can use voice commands to like pause and like yeah. resume playback and stuff. You know, sometimes I'll be watching a movie with my wife and she'll need to get up to get something to drink. Or she's like, can you pause the movie for me? And I say, like, Xbox pause. And she's like, oh yeah, I forget. Like she forgets. Uh-huh. Like that's now a valid way to interact with. Uh-huh. Your entertainment center. Like yeah. You just tell it what you want it to do. And the funny thing is we're having this conversation. I'm having this conversation about the etiquette we haven't learned yet. And we're I'm sure there's people at home right now whose Xboxes are going crazy. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying not to say the, the key the words. words. But yeah. Well, you know, and going back, though, a little bit to the, the headset thing. Here's what all those experiences, though, are chasing. The, the not, I mean, the, the Oculus Rift is really related to this larger thing going on in gaming right now with motion control, camera control, that kind of thing, voice control. Everything is chasing a more immersive experience. And really to achieve that, the first thing you got to do is get that screen to look more like your eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's going to be around because that's integral to all the rest of the stuff they're trying to do. I mean, at, uh, at, at South by Southwest, that was what everybody else was doing with it was they had a motion control device that they wanted to show off, but they had to have a way to put the person in the game. Right. Because otherwise they couldn't interact with it. I mean, your motion controls are based on what you can see. 
And if you can't see correctly to interact with it, then that motion control is useless. So headsets, obviously Sony seems to think the same thing, uh, and they're coming out with their own version, which uh, looks pretty good. I mean, it's also running 1080 like cool. the Oculus Rift. It's called Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't said that yet, have we? Yeah, we it's yeah, Project sorry. Morpheus. I don't know if, if that's going to be the Morpheus. final title or not. That Maybe it's working. Yeah, Connect was Natal forever. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the fear there, of course, is like what Bernie said, is that they're just chasing the fad and the fad's going to go away by the time uh well i was asking you that because that's how i felt about motion controls i'm actually in the camp where i'm excited about vr i i I think it's i think it's pretty cool this is something i'm looking forward to i I think i think the sony one looks awesome it looks looks, it looks really cool really futury yeah it just you know and it's one of those things where you know it's really apple honestly it's very smooth curved white do you feel like when you you know you're, you're sitting there so like let's say I mean, God, people don't do this anymore, right? You don't sit on like on the couch next to your buddy. You don't both play a game. It's like, how nope. weird is it that you just like put this on and you seal yourself off from the rest of the world? Like the people yep. around you, like you know, fuck you, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, it's just like uh-huh. yoink, and you put put this on. It's like you're just like blocking everyone else out. Well, well, I mean, there's been a little change recently that's doing that for me on like at least for half my senses, where um, the Xbox One has finally caught up to the PlayStation Four, where they have that stereo headset mm-hmm. adapter now, where you can run game audio wirelessly through the controller. The PS4 shipped with it. Xbox now sells a $25 puck, uh, and a, you have to wire your controller yeah. once to update the firmware, which, by the way, I did, and the update failed. So, <laughs> I was making fun of Gus for saying it was a hassle, and I was like, God, you'd be kidding me. But then once you get one of them done, uh, then it just prompts you to do all your controllers. You just plug in one after oh, the okay. other because oh, okay. I have a fancy-dancy Titanfall controller as well. Ooh. I actually love that thing. But, uh, it does I, feel really cool. So like on my, when I do my treadmill gaming, when I sit on a treadmill and play, like I just 100%ed Dead Rising 3 because the DLC just came out, uh, I now can plug straight into my controller. So I have no cords like coming off of me to the That's treadmill convenient. or mm-hmm. to the TV. It, it, for me, it's really convenient and it's awesome. And I'm already doing that on an audio level. It's not that big a stretch to see me doing that on a visual level. And here's the thing too. You got to remember as part of this, in, if you're immersed in the game, you're right. We've separated ourselves from our friends in the sense that we now play online. We play at a distance. So you can't look right and see your friend. Well, if you put on a VR helmet, you can. Yeah. You've actually reconnected this in some sense to that connect, that physical connection with your, your whoever you're playing with. That's true. But I, 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 I think I play games a little differently. Like, I don't want that connection. That's it's true. like, so I'll sit there and I'll play, like, for example, like I play Titanfall, right? Mm-hmm. I'll sit there and I'll play and I'll have like the volume really down low on Titanfall because like at the same time, I'm still talking to my wife. Uh-huh. She's not involved in the game. And if I put that on, it's like, then what am I saying to like this person that I'm talking to while playing a game? And maybe that's just a weird Get her a scenario. Helmet. She needs, uh, she needs yeah, one too. Let's talk in the game. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to talk here. Just ride the back of my Titan. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. She'll get on her Pinterest, and <laughs> put on her Pinterest helmet. And uh, but Caden, who's telling me, and if you guys don't know Caden, he's a uh, recent hire, achievement hire, uh, Michael Jones's brother. Um, and he just he told me that uh, Microsoft is also talking about going towards making an Oculus device as well. He calls it an Oculus device. That's funny, a VR device as well. That I, I think that's kind of like assumed. Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of assumed at this point that if anybody makes something and it kind of takes off, the other ones are just going to follow suit yeah, right yeah. away. Right I, away. I can't wait to see the Nintendo one. What's that? <laughs> I can't wait to see the Nintendo one. The Nintendo one. one is actually just a, like a plastic frame, and you stick that little uh, holdout tablet thing in it. <laughs> well, I would argue that I would argue that Nintendo actually already has it in a way, but they just have it here as opposed to here. Mm. Um, where you know, we, I don't know if you've played any games on Wii that take advantage of that, but um, it has kind of AR style games. Like I played uh, the launch title Zombie U. Pretty, it's a very, it's a very launch title uh, that game. Uh, but you can actually um, hold it up and look around the room in there. 
after about the fifth time you do that, you're just like, oh, I can use a stick and look around? I'll just do that, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, because you get tired of doing that. And I was talking with uh, somebody recently, and I was talking about my treadmill setup, how I get on a treadmill and mm-hmm. play a game and uh, just like get to my steps. Like I just, I just went like – I just started it back up again for the spring because it was too cold to do it in the garage before. But I did, I've done like 28 miles, almost mm-hmm. you know, more than a marathon on Dead Rising 3, just finishing that up with DLC. But I was explaining that to them, and they said, oh, do you have a treadmill that, like, you have to walk to walk in the game? I was like, I would never do that. No. <laughs> that would be – no, I just – I would never do that. It's just a distraction to keep my ass moving as opposed to just sitting there on my couch like this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't – I that's the kind of thing, like, I don't think I'll ever get that into it. Like, it would be cool as mm-hmm. a novelty, which is where some of this stuff falls into. Is it enough to do it? And I think it's a big gamble for any video game company to – it seems like the biggest gambles historically are when you change the display. That's where things go wrong. It just went wrong for Nintendo um, when they went from television screens to their their mm-hmm. split screen tablet stuff, which seemed really revolutionary. To the point where people are like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, to Virtual Boy, other things. If you change the display, you run the you run the biggest risk. You can also have the biggest payoffs. Uh, you know, Apple basically launched a whole industry with their gaming platform with their touch screens. Um, but yeah, it can it can go very very wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna read this. Okay. Uh, I want to remind everyone this episode of the Patch is also brought to you by NatureBox. Your mission is to snack smarter and get in shape by summer. Your enemy, the vending machine. But when you're starving at 3 p.m., cranky and lightheaded, the evil vending machine can seem like your only friend. Don't give in. Head over to naturebox.com. Naturebox sends great tasting snacks right to your door, and they're great for you, too. We've got healthy snacks like barbecue kettle kernels, everything bagel sticks. I think that's from everything bagel sticks down there. Um, maybe. Uh, South Pacific plantain chips and over 100 more. Zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup, nothing artificial. Even snacks that are gluten conscious and non-GMO. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. <laughs> NatureBox is busting up the vending machine's monopoly on your midday hunger. Try NatureBox right now and get 50% off your first box by going to naturebox.com forward slash, root, forward slash the patch. That's naturebox.com slash the patch. Stay full, stay strong. Go to naturebox.com slash the patch. It's naturebox.com slash the patch. We discovered this new one that came in our shipment today. Honey Macadamia Pretzel Pops. If you're going to sign up, get these. There's just so much going on, even Honey, with the title. Honey macadamia pretzel pops. Honey and macadamia coated pretzels. It's fucking amazing. Here's the number one way you could tell if a snack is good. Number one way. It's because when you're eating it, you be, there's a point at which you're like, how many servings are in this? <laughs> because you've eaten about half the bag, three quarters of the bag, and you're like, how much exactly have I eaten of this thing? And I've eaten about three servings of the pretzel pops. They're good. Sweet blueberry almonds, my colleagues. Give it a shot. Blueberry Give almonds. Give it a shot. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. like an uh, almond covered in... Uh, Blueberries. That's, that's really good. Um, I also want to talk about Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, Ground Zeroes. Ground Zeroes as well. Yeah. I started playing it last. Have you played Ground Zeroes yet? I have not. Uh, and you haven't either, right? We talked about this earlier. I have never been a fan of the Metal Gear uh, franchise. I really haven't. I was a huge fan of Metal Gear Solid. I was kind of lukewarm about two. Three was really good. Uh, four was interesting. Uh, super long cutscenes. So I decided I never played Peace Walker. Unfortunately. This story is very Peace Walker heavy. Uh, so I feel like almost like I'm obligated to go back and play that game now because when you launch the game, when you launch Ground Zeroes, there's a menu option to see like the story so far. And it basically summarizes Peace Walker as like an 11 page comic book that you can like scroll through. When you see the Metal Gear storyline written out in 11 page comic format, it makes you're, you're like what? Pretty comes off the rails pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's already a a story that's a storyline that's out there, uh-huh. and then to see it like condensed down and just told like that very straightforward is like, wow. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's been one of the things that's been off putting to me about that series is 
it I've had people that really enjoyed it and friends of mine that would start telling me about it and the the story they would have to just unfold before me so that I could even understand what I was about to see was so long and convoluted mm -hmm. that it's really hard to just jump into it at this point. You really feel like it's a legacy. You have to start at one and work your way forward yeah. to understand anything you're about to see. Um, yeah, I haven't finished. I played it only for about half an hour last night, uh, but then I uh, I got too drunk to continue. But uh, it's it, it was really it's it's fun, you know, sneaking around. I like that kind of game. That's that's really the thing I like most about Far Cry Three was like the sneaking around and uh -huh. and killing people out of the bushes. Well, uh, let me ask you though. So that was they priced that at thirty bucks. Yes, and there have been people. I've I heard somewhere that you could actually beat the thing in about ten minutes. Now that was oh really? Well, that was I think someone slipped something they shouldn't have and was able to to get by. But the whole campaign at best is still valued at only two hours. I, I think. think two hours. What I've heard is that once you complete it, it unlocks a bunch of side missions and extends like replayability that way. It is open world, from what I've heard. So yes, yes. there's supposed to be a, uh, up to maybe ten hours worth of mm -hmm. content there, but. Do you think thirty bucks is a good price point for that? I or? don't know yet. I think mm -hmm. once I finish the game, I'll be able to speak better to that. Fair enough. But uh, that is a lot of money for essentially uh, a short prequel leading up to another larger mm -hmm. game. I mean, Jeff said something interesting earlier, which was that he thought that it was kind of their version of Case Zero from uh, right. And yeah, I mean, it does seem like that is about what they were aiming for. And I don't remember Case Zero being. 30. I think it was more in the 20 I range. think uh, K-Zero was either 15 or 20. Yeah. yeah. Remember, there was a cap on how much arcade games cost, and that was an arcade game. An Xbox Live oh, arcade right. game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, it's, I'm, I'm a big... Despite my uh, my worries about the storyline, I'm actually a big Metal Gear fan. Uh -huh. So uh, I'm curious. I, I'm probably going to say it's worth it in the end. Okay. But I'm biased, admittedly. I, I like the Metal Gear series. I mean, if it... It's hard to ever put a price sometimes on those things. So sometimes $30 may actually be a really good price for that. We'll mm -hmm. see. Uh, well, this brings us to another point, though, which happened this week, which is that uh, the lead designer uh, for Riot Games, his narrative lead, Tom Abernathy, he's interesting, he's the narrative lead uh, for League of Legends, said that plot is highly overrated. <laughs> and he, was, he actually worked on Halo Reach as well. He said users don't remember plot. Uh, what they do remember is... What, when they do, they, they remember is they remember characters. I'm reading off GameSpot here. It looks like they typoed his quote. Um, uh, players become hooked in a game if they care about his characters, he explained. Like he's just basically saying that plot doesn't really matter in games. What really matters is characters. How can and you game care play. about characters without a plot, yeah. without a story? You could, I mean, you could definitely have, like, I mean, look at League of Legends. Does League of Legends have a plot? Yeah, but do people care about no, specific care characters? About Hell yeah, they do that. They, this is our whole financial system only, is they based only care on characters. About it. They only care about those characters from the point of view of what their abilities are. Right, it's like they a They don't care about thing. them as characters. Like, if that character were to die yeah, it's, and re the, reborn the, with that in, same in, ability set, in, they wouldn't care. In League of Legends, game. characters are essentially math formulas. Yeah. It's the formula they care about. Which, I mean, I, I would argue that if you look at Halo 2, plot kind of mattered. Like... We like the characters. Obviously, we came back for three, but that was probably kind of the weakest of the Halo titles. I, I do like, though, and it seems like people in video games are willing to do this more often. It's like, remember a few months ago, maybe longer now, when the guy over at the Call of Duty franchise said, yeah, our, our gamers are not really hardcore gamers. And there was a huge uproar about that. It's like, no, he's saying that, like, you know, this they have a lot of casual gamers. And here's the League of Legends. It's not that surprising to say, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be like if League of, you wouldn't hear the League of Legends guy saying, you know, it's not important in a game balance. Not, <laughs> not all that important. You know, people like to win. So we would like to have one character that's really better than all the others. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't hear him say that. Uh, and I don't think you would hear anybody at Naughty Dog say 
that plot is not that important. But you know, as a as a as a medium, video games the the way they deliver plot has changed a lot over the years, and some people have done really crazy stuff with it. Like I remember playing Half Life for the first time, and it was a game with no cutscenes, and that was amazing to me that they could deliver all of the story during the interactive part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, especially with the the cutscene kind of tradition of video games, sometimes you won't get a plot update for three or four hours. You know, you'll go that long in gameplay, especially if you're playing on some of the hard modes, and then yeah. it takes you that long to slog through a level, or maybe even, like, you put the game down, pick it back up in a couple of days. You don't really do that with movies, you know? You don't, you don't stop a movie halfway through and then pick it up again, you know, four or five days later, yeah. and you have time to sit down. So delivering plot's a, a really tough thing, and, I mean, I fancy myself a writer, and that doesn't insult me at all, you know, that plot's not important to video games. Like, there's plenty of games I play that have no plot. I mean, yeah, I guess you can look at, like, Candy Crush and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's no, definitely no plot to that, despite the fact it's a saga. Do we I have w- a third sponsor today, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that, <clears throat> excuse me, now having played through the entire campaign for Titanfall, uh, I wish it wasn't there in its current <laughs> state, honestly. Um, oh, really? Uh, it did nothing for me, and I do kind of feel the lack of that, honestly, because it occurred to me after... You know, playing Titanfall for a while now, I do kind of miss a single player campaign, if nothing else, to just make me like the world that I'm going to be playing. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the prologue to the multiplayer well, in some ways, because then I at least care about this world. Yeah, the campaign as it exists just like gives you the broad stroke, like oh, you're on the frontier. Yeah. There's these guys. There's those guys. Um, and you don't like each other. The worst part of it was they tried to deliver part of it mid game. And it's a 6v6, which is incredibly intense in almost every match I've been in. I don't have time to look at the little window yeah. and figure out what the hell's going on with the plot. I'm actually too busy trying to play the game. Uh, so I, I do kind of miss it. I wish there had been a single-player element to that. It's an interesting experiment. It is, and uh, I think it failed. Yeah. Well, Twitter has exploded with you guys saying that League of Legends has no plot or that, that people don't care about the characters in there. There's the, in particular, someone here says, I agree, I would be pissed if they killed off Kennen. But that's the other thing too with news is since they're with League of Legends, a lot of times they'll, mm-hmm. they'll create a new hero and they put them out there. Mm-hmm. There's really not a, uh, a, a unified way to pronounce all these characters. Uh-huh. Like there's one – I remember in particular one, Sivir, and we went back and forth and looked it up online. How do you pronounce uh-huh. S-I-V-I-R? And some people say Seaver, Some people say Sivir. And, you know, and it's huge arguments about it. And no matter what we say, we're going to get it wrong. Sivir. The real question though is if you killed off Ra – and replaced him with Bob, which I know that Ra isn't a character in League of Legends. But let's say you just took one character, killed him, replaced him with another character, the exact same abilities, everything, maybe slightly different, you know, physical look. I doubt as many people would care. I mean, some of them are going to be attached to him on a certain, it's like a pet, but. I bet some people would freak the fuck out. You think so? I mean, Absolutely. same abilities. It plays exactly the same. Like, there's no difference are in you abilities and stats at all. I People would freak out. You think so? Here's what I would say. I would say if you took one of these characters and you got rid of one of their looks and you changed the look. Like, mm-hmm. you, here's a new model of the character. You can buy this one. Oh, and we're retiring this old one. That that would upset people. That has, it would have no impact on gameplay. The, but that would really upset people. This, I mean, uh, it would have impact in the sense that people know how to look for that specific yeah. character, that model on screen, that kind of thing. But theoretically, with your... You know, characters uh-huh. as algorithms Replace model. Them, yeah. yeah, it should be it should be so, fine, and it wouldn't be. Someone here on Twitter who is this, Brian R. Matson said, In League, the characters are the equivalent of weapons in other games. Which one is best? Yeah. Which is, I think is a, a really good way to summarize that and put that. So thanks, Brian. Yeah, well, another person said, you know, they have a lot of lore behind each character. Why don't you guys learn your shit before you start talking? So, <laughs> so shame on all of us for that. 
But I mean, it's like it's also you know how is that lore delivered? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, of course, everything has lore behind it. I mean, to the point where even I'm sure fans are creating excellent lore on on all these heroes. But you know, how is it delivered? And is is a plot of League of Legends is that important? You know, let's go back to something that's a little more broad. Um, not that League of Legends is not played by billions of people over the world, uh, but like Mortal Kombat, it's like. That's what's the what's the plot of it? Mm-hmm. It has a plot, so does Street Fighter. You know what I mean? But it's like it does, does it matter? It's like yeah. one of the most beloved games of all time, you know. And what does it matter? I mean, mm-hmm. even when they took it from Japan, Street Fighter from Japan to America, they took characters' names and switched them because <laughs> they didn't they didn't want it to sound like Mike Tyson. So M Bison is now our boss mm-hmm. in Street Fighter, and it's like nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, nobody goes like, oh, I'm missing out on the actual true storyline. <laughs> you know, Vega is the boss, not M Bison. I play the original Japanese Street Fighter, uh, and, uh, subtitled. Yeah, Balrog is the boss, right? Uh, I mean, yes. But it'd be difficult to argue that that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie didn't need a little bit more plot. <laughs> it could have it could have stood from some outside lore. What is the Japanese boss for Street Fighter? Is they, it's Balrog and Bison and Vega? They switched right. up. Vega is the uh, is the name of the original boss oh, in the Japanese version. Is right? he, I, I thought it was. I thought they just swapped M Bison and Balrog. And Bison and Balrog. Really? Okay. That's I'll look what it I up. thought. I think it's Vega. Um, we should really learn our shit. Yeah, we should learn we our should shit. We should learn our shit. <laughs> uh, so apparently SimCity finally launched their <laughs> their offline mode. I saw probably the, the best comment about that was – I forgot who it was. Someone made a joke about it. I don't know if it was on Twitter or on TV or what. Someone joked that SimCity finally launched its offline mode only a year after all the users discovered the uninstall mode. <laughs> Fucking right. Did you call it? M. Bison, known as in Japan as Vega. Boom! Oh, yeah, they swapped a bunch of the bosses' names up. Okay. Because M. Bison is obviously Mike Tyson. No, no, totally different. Totally different. They didn't want to get sued. Their boxer is totally different than the real boxer. I like they kept the name, though. Why don't I just rename that guy Slugger? You know? doesn't even make sense. Yeah, doesn't even make sense. I'm sorry, I missed your point. What were you saying? I was saying that uh, SimCity Offline is finally available. You can you can finally play hey, the most recent SimCity game without having to be connected online. Yeah, it never never bothered me, but I'm happy that people got what they well wanted. Well shy of anyone caring. Yeah, I, I started <laughs> I started playing well after their launch, and mm-hmm. so I never had connectivity issues. Which you know, it's funny though. So that's an example of EA in its the height of its evil. Uh, and then you look at you know Plants vs Zombies, which has been so shockingly non evil that I'm kind of worried that they are, they're not somehow poisoning my soul in the background. Garden, Garden Warfare is so good. It's a really good game, and they've released... That was literally the most cynical review of a game I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, they've just released... It's great, but it's probably not. It's just, they must be killing us in, in secret <laughs> yeah, somehow. They've released evil. a free DLC that has a, you know, a new game mode, a new map, and a bunch of different powers unlocked. Uh, they've got a very obvious place to insert microtransactions, and they haven't. Uh, the treatment of that game has been amazing. Do you think it's uh, since they launched so close to Titanfall, they're trying to do all of this that they can to keep attention into Garden Warfare? But I guess Titanfall is also published by EA. Yeah. Well, what isn't these days, to yeah. be honest? I mean, Call of Duty. <laughs> there's so many different branches of EA at this point that it's almost like arguing you know, against a giant thing that doesn't even know what the left hand is doing when the right hand's doing it. Right. So, uh, but that game, honestly, yeah, it's it's so much more mellow than Titanfall. It's a very I, different experience for a multiplayer-only game. I had almost no expectation for Garden Warfare going in. I like Plants vs. Zombies. I thought this was a weird departure for them. And I have been enjoying the shit out of that game. Mm-hmm. Really? I wish it came out further apart from Titanfall. Because, like, now I'm just been, I've been playing a lot of Titanfall, so I've been ignoring Garden Warfare. But Garden Warfare is fun. It's well-balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the... The class progression system, the sticker system is fucking awesome yeah. for like unlocking new stuff. It's really, really fun. I hope they apply it to other games because 
As much as I love PopCap games almost across the board, the one franchise that's never grabbed me is the Plants vs. Zombies one. Mm. Never has. Well, I mean, is there anybody still working at PopCap these days? They did have some layoffs. You know, here's another cynical statement. Do they they keep pushing games these days just because as soon as they release the game, everybody there gets fired? You know what? Okay. That's happened every time. That's not an unusual thing, though, in the entertainment industry. Like in the movie industry... Um, when a movie's over, everybody gets laid off. You know what I mean? It's just like the project's done, and so everybody goes off to other mm-hmm. things. Video game companies are a little different, and I, we talk about this sometimes here at Rishi, is that we hire people, and they do work here throughout the year. And, and so sometimes we ramp up for productions and ramp down, but historically, we have more of the video game model and less of the entertainment model, which is like when TV shows go up and down, those those people don't have jobs. Maybe the video game industry is just moving to a more traditional you know, entertainment structure hmm. as a business. I thought about it that way. It's an interesting point. Uh, so we're, we're we're at time, but there's something I definitely wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up this week. Uh, apparently, Jeez, gosh, you're making us run over. Uh, Mark Witten, <laughs> get sick of this. How about you, Ryan? Mark no, Witten, the chief God. product officer. Look, no sand. Or yeah, Mark Witten, the chief product officer uh, over at Microsoft for Xbox, left uh, to go work at Sonos. So Jack, we talked about Jack Tretton leaving Sony last week, and now Mark Witten's leaving Microsoft. <laughs> like, what is it with you know these consoles launching, and then now like people who are very instrumental. In these products, just like it's like Rocky and Apollo Creed going out. retiring. It's yeah, like, go, okay, we're going. The last fight's over. Time to retire. Yeah, I don't know what Jack Trenton's going to do. I don't think at the time we knew, but here, you know, Mark Wynn's clearly left to go work over at Sonos. Uh, so it's 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 interesting timing. I, well, I guess maybe it's like we speculated last week, where this console has shipped and they're early enough with their next console cycle that it's easy for someone else to step in and oversee that. Well, that being said, I don't know that Mark Witten falls in that. The, the trend that you're talking about, because Mark Witten was there for the original Xbox, the 360, and now the Xbox Jack One. Jack Trenton was there from PlayStation One. Really? Yeah, he's had worked at Sony for 19 years. I mean, that's a long time to work anywhere. I mean, yeah. it's like I don't. Yeah, I guess they see through to the end of a project and they go off to other things, you know. And it's like they just need to get it to a certain point. Um, yeah, it just it doesn't seem that surprising to me that Mark Witten in particular is leaving. I'm sad to see him go because um, he was the was the chief product officer. Was that yep, his name? That was it. And uh, title, I mean. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I thought they they did a really great job under him. They came a really long way. And um, I'd be curious. I don't know much about Sonos. So I was looking up what they do. They make like those uh, audio things. Yeah, like Bluetooth connect your iPhone to and stream music. Yep. And uh, and so I'd be curious to see what he does there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's. Uh, Wish him well, Mark Witten. Yeah. You know, uh, presided over three huge launches and three huge products from Microsoft. Yep. So, I mean, listen, if I if 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 I had presided over three huge launches and built like a whole section of or helped build a whole section of uh, Microsoft's you know consumer division, and then I start hearing stuff about like incoming CEOs wanting to spin off the Xbox division or cut it off, I'd be like, yeah, okay, let maybe it's time to look for another gig. Mm. I I might do that yeah. after after how long he was there. I might do that. So, sure. all right, well, that's it. We're a wrap. I want to thank everyone for watching. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of RT Podcast and next Wednesday with another episode of The Patch. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you.